0: The Lord is with you. And also with you. The word became flesh and dwells among us. Glory to God and the highest and peace to God's people on earth. We welcome you to Marsh Chapel on this Sunday as we join together in scripture and song in praise of God. Whether you are seated here in the nave of the chapel, listening live via WBUR at 90.9 FM in the greater Boston area, listening over the internet at WBUR.org, or listening later via podcasts, please know that you are a valued part of our community. My name is the Reverend Dr. Karen Coleman, and I have the pleasure of serving as associate chaplain for Episcopal Ministry here at Marsh Chapel. Our dean, the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, is traveling this week and sends his warm regards to each of you. Today we gather for the second Sunday after Christmas Day with our special guest preacher, the Reverend Dr. Victoria Hart Gasco. Victoria serves as the minister for visitation. We gather together today to worship God and to be reminded of the divine gifts of grace and love which join us together in the body of Christ. Let us stand as we are able for the praise of God. O God, who wonderfully created, and yet more wonderfully restored, the dignity of human nature, grant that we may share the divine life of him, who humbled himself to share our humanity, your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.
1: A lesson from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 31, verses 7 through 14. Please be seated. For thus says the Lord, sing aloud with gladness for Jacob, and raise shouts for the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise, and say, Save, O Lord, your people, the remnant of Israel. See, I am going to bring them from the land of the north, and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth, among them the blind and the lame, those with child and those in labor. Together, a great company, they shall return here. With weeping they shall come, and with consolations I will lead them back. I will let them walk by brooks of water, in a straight path which they shall not stumble. For I have become a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the coastlands far away. Say, He who who scattered Israel will gather him, and will keep him as a shepherd of flock. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob, and has redeemed him from hands too strong for him. They shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion, and they shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord, over the grain, the wine, and the oil, and over the young of the flock and the herd. Their life shall become like a watered garden." and they shall never languish again. Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them, and give them gladness for sorrow. I will give the priests their fill of fatness, and my people shall be satisfied with my bounty, says the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: saying verses from Psalm 147 verses 12 to 20 with the antiphon. God, O Jerusalem, praise God, O Zion, who strengthen the bars of your gates and bless your children within you, who grant peace within your borders and fill you with the finest wheat. God send out commands to the earth. God's words run sweetly. God gives snow like wool and scatter frost like Ice, and hurled down hails like crumbs, who stand against God command. God sent out words, and melt them, and made the wind blow and the water flow. He took the word of the tribes of Jacob, and sent and an audience to Israel. God had not dealt with any other nation they did not go no ordinance. Praise, Praise God, our God. The Lord. The Lord. Let us stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel.
3: The Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. Glory to you, O Lord. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, He gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, you, Lord Lord Christ. Christ. Please be seated. Welcome to the year 2020. Today is also the last Sunday of Christmas, and so we begin this year with one of the most famous Christmas readings all about the word of God. Words are tricky things. They are our major form of communication, and they make up lies as well as truth. Their amount is increasing in our lives, and not necessarily for the good. Certainly in 2019, many of us might have joined with Eliza Doolittle of My Fair Lady fame as she exclaimed in exasperation, words, words, I'm so sick of words. 2020 looks to be more of the same with debates replaced by conventions, an ongoing impeachment process, executive orders, church conferences, broadcast and media news, and legislative decrees. All of this is in addition to our daily life, here at BU in academic discourse, teaching, and writing, and in our ongoing conversations with family and friends. Even in our prologue to John's Gospel, the word is defined and explained with many words that make up a number of metaphors, that sound a bit abstract and idealistic the use of many words is perhaps understandable given john's intended readers of both of intended readers both jew and greek in hebrew thought the logos the word was god's action in the world and god's instruction when in worship we say the word of the lord and then follow with, thanks be to God, after the scripture readings, it is said in part in this sense of acknowledgement and acceptance of God's action and instruction. Here in John's gospel, the logos, the word, is the medium by which God is made known to human beings, just as human thought and plans are made known and expressed by speech. Either way, the assumption is that the word of God is explainable, rational, and logical. An agent of creation, agent of salvation, life, light, truth, revelation of God. We've got it. But then there is that phrase. And the word became flesh and lived among us. Flesh. Such an evocative word, not so explainable, not so rational, not so logical. Flesh, fleshy. To say that the word became flesh is to say that God entered into human life under the ordinary conditions of humanity. Yes, the Logos could speak to us in our own language of speech and rationality, And the message of life, light, truth, and revelation now is seen and recognized through a fleshy veil with all the capacities, limitations, and vulnerabilities that all of flesh is heir to. The flesh adds to God's communication with us and our communication with God and with each other from a place too deep for words. because the word logos also translates as sound. And sound, not words, is the language of the flesh. The yips, coos, cries, gasps, laughs, squeaks, hisses, groans, shouts, pants, and moans of the body in pain, grief, or joy escape us. Even when we try to control them with, I'm fine, or as we ignore them. We spend a great deal of time and effort with words that often mislead or lie. The sounds of the flesh, so often involuntary from that place too deep for words, might equally bear information for our understanding of God, ourselves, and each other. Theologian and disability activist Sharon V. Betcher considers the realities of embodiment in her book, Spirit and the Obligation of Social Flesh, a secular theology for the global city. Social flesh is a term coined by social theorist Christine Beasley and political scientist Carol Bacci. Social flesh describes an ethical and political construct that emphasizes the mutual reliance of people across the globe, on social resources, infrastructure, and space. This behavioral approach promotes the development of social virtues out of the realities of our embodied coexistence and posits that life itself requires social, political, and economic support in order for life to continue, in order for life to be livable. Given the realities of social flesh, An emphasis on rugged individualism does not adequately recognize the fragility and precariousness of human life, or, by my own extension, the fragility and precariousness of the life of the planet. Betcher builds on the work of philosopher Judith Butler to begin to construct a practical ethic of social flesh. Butler notes that as human beings we are of necessity exposed to one another's vulnerability and particularity. The word flesh names a precarious vulnerability to the other. Our communal situation thus consists of learning to handle and to honor this inescapable and necessary relation. Betcher builds on these Ideas to begin to develop the idea of the ethics of social flesh with the religious idea of kenosis, a complex term that she here defines as radical openness to the other. She notes that her book has as a primary source Christianity's ancient, though not always obvious or normatively dominant, love of the flesh. And she cites scholar of late antiquities Virginia Burris in her work on third century Christian writers to declare that flesh became the site of a deliberately offensive countercultural faith. As Betcher expands this, our thinking with and from flesh allows us to acknowledge and talk about what is often hidden in our social or cultural agenda, but what is true of our fleshy lives ecstasy and pleasure certainly, and also pain, aging, disease, corporeal limit, interruption, encounter, together with the revelations and critical insights that come with them. Social flesh recognizes that the anxiety, fear, disgust, and shame that haunt flesh can be commandeered by technologies, politics, and advertisement. It equally recognizes the temptations within ourselves to aggression towards other bodies, to isolation from other bodies, to the division of bodies into normal or superior versus unnatural or degenerate. Vettra's thought assumes humanity's urbanization as the context for her work. Within the next 20 or so years, two-thirds of the world's world's population of 7 billion and counting will live in cities. Both those who live in cities and those who do not feel their effects on on bodies, on the land, on dreams, through depopulation with its loss of skills and capital, through the disappearance of generational belonging, and through loss of contact with the natural world. Boston itself has changed from being the human scale walkable city to a place of high rises and privatization of public space, the disappearance of neighborhoods to corporate greed and collections of transients, the increasing density of people and their cars, the increasing lack of affordability and housing, and the disappearance of practical local businesses and public services and Boston is not alone in these developments. Social flesh and its obligations, if any are acknowledged, is a challenge across the country, as any formerly and currently livable city can attest. So Betcher lifts up the idea of a secular theology. The term secular here does not mean non religious. Instead, it is based on the seculars of medieval Europe. These were uncloistered religious persons. They carried their spiritual passion and sense of love of God, self, and neighbor into their daily life in the city. Seculars lived in the city on behalf of the city but with alternate values and attitudes that challenged the city's materialism and isolation. Kind of sounds like Marsh Chapel's mission statement, doesn't it? A heart for the heart of the city and a service in the service of the city. Medieval early capitalism also caused poverty, homelessness, and displacement of the poor and vulnerable. Seculars, both women and men, gentry and common, worked for the city's care by setting up alternative communities that over time became hospitals, schools, retreat houses, and ritual spaces. Betcher notes that spiritual practices of sowing trust amidst fear, presenting alternative forms of pleasure to those who advance the aesthetics of capitalism and the offering of friendship and neighborliness can humanize and renew cities. Such practice starts by being vulnerable to others, by regenerating the practice of social flesh. Betcher examines social flesh, its obligations, and the context urbanism through the lens of disability theory. She herself experienced the amputation of her leg after a chance fall and wound led to an infection that threatened her life. For her, the literal set aside, inherent in the category disabilities, reflects a history of deeply embedded resentment toward the precariousness of life itself. It protects society from the vulnerability of birth and the risk of change. It marginalizes certain bodies and excludes them from considerations of aesthetic and social value. Urbanism is currently based, in terms of the ideal populace, on a neoclassical Western form of male physical perfection, with its assumptions of eternal youth, physical mobility in all situations, and unchanging health. It also assumes a class structure of economic elites, who somehow deserve more of the amenities of the city and determine what those will be, while other people become an embarrassment or an obstacle. With its injuries and insults of geographical and architectural and thus social inaccessibility, contemporary urbanism excludes bodies that struggle to survive, seeks to control who may appear in public, and seeks to determine whose lives are are expendable. Better's exploration of social flesh is far-ranging, complex, and far beyond the scope of this sermon. With her context of urbanism viewed through the lens of disability theory, she does present a number of practices that encourage social flesh based on the idea of contemporary urban Christians as modern-day seculars. I would like to lift up two of them here. The first is an intentional acceptance and exploration of suffering for what it reveals of God, what it reveals about ourselves, and what it reveals about our common human experience. Betcher explores the work of Dorothy Soul, mystic and social activist, who wrote that even in the most comfortable life, one must come to accept some measure of pain, to listen to the sounds of the flesh, as it were, and to learn from them as a kind of teaching. Each act of suffering becomes an exercise so that we work through it with perception of the sounds that come through the flesh as pain and grief because nothing can be learned from suffering unless it is worked through. Love of God, self, neighbor, and world becomes a love that avoids placing conditions on reality so that the acceptance of suffering is not masochism but is part of a yes to life as a whole. For soul, the only way we might become those who love the world enough to protest injustice would be by learning to suffer, to learn the sounds of the language of the flesh, and to pay attention and care to them, for ourselves and for those amongst whom we live. The second practice is that of forbearance, that better defines as the acceptance of flaws, moral entanglements, frailties, and faults. Within social flesh, with its fleshy relations and affects, forbearance is not a refusal to seek or claim justice. It is instead restraint in the face of provocation, restraint of our own worst inclinations in the face of fear, anger, disgust, or hurt. Betcher relates her own challenges to this practice as she swims in a public pool, with some whose cultural training has instilled a fear that physical injury is contagious and that leads at least one person to strike out at her as she swims by. She notes that there is not necessarily any reward for forbearance. Instead, forbearance assumes that we are always changing and are mutually interdependent with one another. Forbearance overcomes fear, anger, disgust, or hurt in favor of concern and care. This does not mean mere tolerance of everything. We cannot deny the need to move for human rights and justice. It does mean the kind of love of neighbor that does not disappear even in the middle of the defense of justice, even justice for ourselves. This is not to say that the practice of forbearance in the context of modern urbanism does not have its challenges. Poverty, violence, the looming results of climate change, and the increasingly felt need of governments to control people threaten to tear apart intimate social relations, the ability to cooperate, and any idea of practical solidarity. But the practice of forbearance presents another reality, that social flesh can lead to a different way of life, even in the challenges. Becher quotes theologian Alida Faber that love means the desire to stay near another person in their disorientation to the world, their wretchedness, their unlovability, all the symptomatic excess of always unfinished efforts at social legitimation. This is the way that God loves us. The word became flesh and lived among us in our disorientation, our wretchedness and suffering, our unlovability. God loves us by taking on the interdependence of word and flesh to communicate fully on all of our own terms of our fleshy and soulful lives, to communicate the life, light, truth and revelation of God's love for us God loves us and wants us to love them back it is a measure of God's desire for relationship with us that God is willing to trust us enough to become interdependent with us in the taking on of our social flesh with its mutuality of vulnerability and limitation with the common sounds of the flesh in both pleasure and suffering from that place too deep for words. That is how God loves us. That is how God proves it. It is a new year. 2020 does promise to provide many, many words. And we do have obligations to listen to them with a grain of salt if need be. And we might also consider our mutual obligations to listen to the sounds that are the language of the flesh. These will be our own sounds, as we are to love ourselves and care for ourselves. They will also be the sounds of others in places where the social flesh rejoices, and perhaps even more in the places where the social flesh suffers. The sounds of children and parents torn apart at our border. The sound of the burning of the trees and forests, and the sounds of panic and pain from the animals and people who live there. The howls of grief from those who have lost loved ones in our routine of mass shootings and the idolatry of the gun. The mourning from those denied the benefits of social flesh through constructions of economic, social, geographic, and architectural inaccessibility. Maybe then our communication with God, self, and neighbor will also be complete, as God's communication with us is complete, word and flesh together. Maybe then our priorities will become more clear for ourselves and all those with whom we are mutually interdependent, God, neighbor, and the planet. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the word became flesh and lived amongst us. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God, amen.
4: Be seated. Good morning. Good morning. We welcome you again to the Nave of Marsh Chapel on this second Sunday of Christmas. We value your presence with us, whether you are seated here in the pews, listening live on the radio or live stream, or later via our podcast. In a spirit of friendship, we ask those of you seated in the pews that you locate the red booklets at the end of each pew toward the center aisle and enter your name and contact information. This helps us to get to know you better and you to get to know one another better. Today is a communion Sunday. All are welcome at Christ's table. There will be two communion stations, one on the pulpit side, the side that I am on, which will have wine, and one on the lectern side, which will have grape juice. There is also a gluten-free option that's available upon request. For those interested, there will also be a healing prayer station under the first set of stained glass windows on the pulpit side during communion. We would like to thank our visiting choir this week in Coro Novo, uh, conducted by Therese Probenzano for leading us in song during today's worship service. Uh, the Marsh Chapel offices are open this week, but all weekly chapel activities are suspended while students are still on winter break. We direct your attention to the announcement found on the last page of your bulletin regarding the Marsh Writers Collaborative, a space and community of writers and encouraging writers. Their first meeting will be this coming Saturday, January 11th from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. in the Thurman Room downstairs. More information can be found at marshwriters.org. Please take note that the web address is different than what appears in the bulletin. The correct address is marshwriters, one word, marshwriters.org. Finally, this coming spring semester's morning study group will be reading Jim Wallace's Christ in Crisis. Books are available in the main office of the chapel for a suggested donation of $20. Please see Reverend Dr. Karen Coleman with any questions. For all other news and upcoming events, please visit our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as the chapel website at bu.edu chapel, where there is also the opportunity for online giving. Now, as the ushers wait upon us for the offering, may we remember that it is a gift and a discipline to be a giver.
3: Blessed are you, great God of the universe, source of all our provision. Bless and multiply, these our gifts of money, symbol of our time, resources, life energy and faith, that the giving may become receiving and the receiving may become giving. Blessed be God, now and forevermore. Blessed are you, great God of the universe, you are the giver of this bread product of earth and air, fire and water, the life energy of plants, animals, and humans. Let it become for us the bread of life. Blessed Blessed be God, now and forevermore. Blessed are you, great God of the universe. You are the giver of this fruit of the vine, product of earth and air, fire and water, the life energy of plants, animals, and humans. Let it become for us the drink of your eternal realm. Blessed be God now and forevermore. As the grain once scattered in the fields and the grapes once dispersed on the hillside are now reunited in this table in bread and the fruit of the vine, so, O God, may your whole church be gathered together in this season from the corners of the earth to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Joy to the world! The Lord is come. The peace of the Lord Jesus Christ is with you always and also with you. Let us offer one another signs of peace and reconciliation. Lord is with you. with you lift up your hearts we lift up let us give thanks to the Lord our God it is, right to
5: give our thanks and praise.
3: it is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you gracious loving holy God creator of heaven and earth you created light and brought forth life on the earth you formed us in your image and called us to love and serve you. When we were unfaithful and turned from your ways, you did not forsake us. Your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and sent prophets to call us back to your way. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus Christ to be our Savior. In him, your Logos became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth, and we beheld your glory. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven and giving voice to all creation, we praise your name and join the unending hymn. are you, and blessed is Jesus Christ our Lord. Born in humility, he came to rule over all. Helpless as an infant, he showed the power of your love. Poor in the things of this world, he brought the wealth of your grace. Rejected by many, he welcomed all who sought him. In his life, ministry, suffering, dying, and rising, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. We remember how when Jesus sat at supper with his friends, he took bread. And when he had given thanks and blessed it, he broke the bread and gave it to his friends and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Each time you eat this, remember me. Likewise, after supper, he took a cup, and when he had given thanks and blessed it, he gave it to his friends and said, this is the cup of a new covenant, sealed in my blood, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Each time you drink this, remember me. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of grain and grape. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. Empower us by your Spirit to be Christ's presence in the world even as Jesus was God with us. Give us courage to speak his truth, seek his justice, and love with his love. Keep us faithful in your service until Christ comes in final victory, and we shall feast with all your saints in the joy of your eternal realm. Through Christ, with Christ, in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor are yours, eternal Trinity, now and forevermore. Amen. Look. The bread of heaven is given for the life of the world. Look, the cup of salvation is poured out for the life of the world. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Let us keep this feast with joy and thanksgiving. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done There's been a change. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us your peace. And now, beloved, let us go from this place in peace. For the God of peace, the Word become flesh, who lives with us, goes with us into our daily fleshy lives. Let us go in peace in the name of that God who makes us, who loves us, who keeps us in everything. Amen.